0: Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Let's get right into the Word of God. Today's message I call Bridge to Your Birthright. The Bridge to Your Birthright. The first little passage may be a little wordy, but I want you to listen to it. John chapter 3, verse 1 from the message says this. There was a lame, excuse me, there was a man of the Pharisee sect, Nicodemus, a prominent leader among the Jews. Late one night, he visited Jesus and said, Rabbi, we all know you're a teacher straight from God. No one could do all the God-pointing, God-revealing acts you do if God weren't in on it. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me unless a person is born from above, it's not possible to even see what I'm pointing to, to God's kingdom. Nicodemus said, how can anyone be born who's already been born and grown up? You can't re-enter your mother's womb and be born again. He's like, this this doesn't make any sense. What are you saying with this born from above talk? So Jesus said, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person... And here's, I love the way the message brings it out in this paraphrase. Unless a person submits to this original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, he's referring to Genesis chapter one. This wind above the water, wind over the water creation, the invisible moving the visible, a baptism into a new life. Unless you accept that, it's not, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. When you look at a baby, it's just that a body you can look at and touch, but the person who takes shape within is formed by something you can't see and touch, the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and becomes a living spirit. So don't be surprised when I tell you you have to be born from above, out of this world, so to speak. You know well enough how the wind blows this way and that. You're rustling through the trees, but you have no idea where it comes from, where it's headed next. That's the way it is with everyone who is born from above by the wind of the Spirit, the Spirit of God. My friends, you are a new creation. If you're, if you're born again, you are not just a better person. You're not just a little, you're not the new and improved. You've changed inherently from the inside. Your Spirit is new. Now, just because you've been born again doesn't mean you don't have struggles. It doesn't mean you don't have temptations. It doesn't mean that you, that you don't it, it have the same proclivities that you had before you got saved. But your spirit is renewed and now you have to fill that spirit up continually so it overflows into your body and into your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, okay? I'm gonna read one more passage and we'll preach actually two more quick things. Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way, verse 15 from the message. Make sure... No one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Esau traded his birthright for a pot of stew. You know well how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, but by then it was too late. Tears or no tears. Finally, Galatians 4, 7 says this, Therefore, because you're a new creation, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now let's pray. Father... We ask you to open the eyes of our heart that we can understand your word, work it into our lives. We continue to pray and agree with those who stood a few moments ago for a breakthrough. For you to move and make a way where there is no way, in Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about new creation living this month. You're being transformed. You know, when you, when you see a, a caterpillar go into a cocoon and spend a season there, and then you see it emerge, you don't go, oh, isn't that a nice caterpillar that added wings? Right? It's a butterfly. It's been, and we, we talk about that term, metamorphosis. You learned it in science class. Metamorphosis. Well, that word metamorphosis or metamorpho is the same word that, went, went, that is used in Romans that we used last week and said, be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed, be metamorphosed." be morphed, be metamorphosized, be a different thing than you used to be by renewing your mind in the word of God and in relationship with Jesus. You're not the same. You, you, when you're born again, you don't get this magical where everything's, you know, you just tiptoe through the tulips. And I, I, I've had people tell me, well, somebody told me if I'd give my life to God, everything would be easy. So well, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. I mean, it's it's not easy, but it's victorious, nonetheless. It's not, there's, the pro, there's no promise that if that things get easier, the difference is that now he's with you and he's gonna open the way and be the way in your life. So we gotta get to the place where, look, if somebody told you that, you know, give your life to Jesus and it's all, oh, it's all gonna be peaches and cream and dancing through fields of lilies, they lied. It's gonna be better than it was, but there's still gonna be some tough moments because now now you now you got an, now the enemy has marked you. But greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We don't we're not afraid of the enemy. We don't we don't we don't try to stir him up, but but we have victory over him. He, the Bible says he's under your feet. The enemy is under your feet. Under your feet. Why? Because you've been in that new creation, Ephesians says, you've been seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Positionally. I know we're on earth. I know we're in these human bodies. I know what those limitations suggest. But the reality is we're not under the same limitations because now spiritually, you're not under principalities and powers of depression and darkness. You're over them spiritually. But if you don't see it and act on it, then you're going to be under that oppression and and just submitting to them. Paul wrote in, in Romans, "Sin shall no longer have dominion over you." Didn't say you're never going to be tempted to sin anymore. Isn't that great news? No, but you—it doesn't. It's not your boss. It's not your boss. I heard some kids in a in a, in the store. This is a long time ago. These two little brother and sister were talking, and um, the little boy was maybe five years old. The little girl's maybe three. And, he's, and they're just talking back and forth. And finally, the little three-year-old says to her brother, you're not the boss of me. Three years old, she already picked up on that. Sometimes you've got to say to sin and sickness and disease and bondage, you know, the stuff that tries to vex your soul, hey, you're not the boss of me. I'm not under the dominion of that anymore. I now have Christ in me, the hope of glory. I now have not just the hope of heaven one day, the hope of his manifested power coming in and through my life now. Not just in the sweet by and by. Right now, he is powerful. You have a genuine birthright as a child of God. This month, we're talking about identity. We're talking about who we are. And let me tell you, it's so crucial. It's not who you are because you're so good. It's not who you are because you had a few breakthroughs or you're doing better or you've been growing in the Lord. It's about you having an identity in Christ, in who he is, so that when God sees your life, he doesn't just look at you and your imperfections and impurities. He looks at you and sees his son. He sees Jesus being formed in you, for you, and through you. You have a genuine birthright. In the ancient world, the firstborn son was the principal heir of the family estate. He'd receive all the rights, all the privileges, all the responsibilities of his inheritance on behalf of the whole family when when that birthright was passed on. Now, the word says that Jesus is God's only begotten and firstborn son, but now has freely shared his inheritance with his many brothers and sisters us. And you're now blessed. You are now part of God's family. You didn't just pray a prayer. You changed families. You were were in a family uh, uh, of ignorance in in darkness. Doesn't mean, uh, you know, are you saying I was a bad person? No, I'm saying you were a sinful person, a sinner. Listen, when Jesus died for the sin of the world, he died for the whole condition of that sin. Sins, sin and sins. Sins, what I learned in, in seminary years ago, is that sins, sins are what we, the, 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 missing the mark of God's best. We all do that. But sin as a condition has been disempowered. Sin as a condition has been, has been nullified and has, it, it does not have victory in your life anymore. Jesus does. But until you see that, grasp it, and, and grow enough to where you continually, when you go through these challenges, hey, it's, you know my life is, is hidden with God in Christ. You are joint heirs with Jesus, heirs of salvation. Peter writes, you, there's an inheritance reserved for you. This month, as we talk about growing into mature, fired up children of the most high God, I want us to focus on both the privileges, the benefits of our sonship, when I say sonship, I'm talking about sons and daughters. It's, a, it's like mankind. It doesn't mean there's not womankind, okay? There's kind women and there's mankind. Anyway, so we are all part of the same family. In him, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female. Uh, what I, I had to say in Alabama the other night, uh, neither Auburn nor Alabama. Because they're, they, they, they're, it's, it's big time up there. By the way, I had, two, I had two guys, two of the main guys in that church, yeah, the pastor there is a huge Bama fan, <clears throat> huge. They have Bama stuff all over his office, all this memorabilia, and he's gotten to meet Nick Nick Saban and uh, and all that stuff. And uh, anyway, uh, anyway, he's got anyway. So I walk in there, and all of a sudden, the worship pastor and the pastor's right hand guy come into me. and They said. We are Gator fans. We love Ocala. We love Gainesville. We love that area. We are Gator fans through and through. I said, how did he how did you get with him? You know. The reality is though there's not all these divisions or all these hyphenated words that we have today that try to put us in these subcultures against each other. There's neither those divisions are broken in Jesus name and we are one blood one people, one group, and when you get born again, you're part of that family, and it breaks down those other things. Not that you don't still have your own individual ethnicities and everything else and backgrounds, you do, but you're, but you're no longer bound by that. You get to enjoy the good parts of that culture, but you don't. but you're not bound by the bad parts of that culture. We are one in him miraculously because our spirit is new and recreated. So, I want us to focus on both the privileges and benefits which everybody wants to do, but also the responsibilities. With every privilege comes great responsibility. With every privilege comes great responsibility. You need to write that down. you remember it, because Jesus said it this way: "To whom much is given, much is required. The blood of Jesus not only cleanses us from our selfish, sinful heart condition but also sets us free, listen, from our victimhood of sickness, poverty, and demonic control. And that revelation must become our perspective concerning everything. Listen, when I got born again at 19, many of you know my testimony, but I was a cigarette smoker when I got saved and that didn't change overnight. I still struggled, I was trying to quit. I had tried to quit a thousand times my, my, my girlfriend, then, then my wife, uh, she didn't smoke. She didn't like smoke. She, she wouldn't have even gotten with me as a smoker except somehow God ordained it. But she didn't like the fact that I so, smoked cigarettes or, or anything else for that matter. But anyway, she didn't like that. <clears throat> but that's, that was part of who I, was, who I felt I was. I started smoking at 12 and smoked until 19. And um, got saved in like late May, early June of 1980 and started getting the word and that kind of thing. And I was, for all intents and purposes, I was the, I was the same soul and the same body that I'd been, and so I still had that addiction. And but I kept telling her, we had, we had our, our baby was due, our son was due in October, and I kept saying, okay, as soon as the baby's born, I'm going to quit smoking. <clears throat> well, I woke up August the 11th, 1980. I woke up one morning, and I rolled over and I said, "I think I'm done. Yeah. I think I'm done smoking." And she goes, "Oh, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I didn't cigarettes today, crazy, but the pr- prices back then it was seventy-five cents a pack, and I thought that was ridiculous. <clears throat> you don't have any money, and then you're you know smoking it up anyway, it was just ridiculous. And so I woke up and I said. I don't think I need to smoke anymore. And she'd heard, you know, she'd heard me try to quit a bunch of times. And eventually, I'd be, I'd be all fidgety and going crazy. And she'd just say, just go ahead and smoke. <laughs> just, just smoke. I'm just tired of seeing you. You're tortured. <laughs> August 11th, 1980, I woke up. I said, you know what? I think I'm done. And I went and I got my, I still had some in a carton. And I took all my cigarettes and I broke them individually. And I flushed them down the toilet. And and I never smoked since I didn't go through the withdrawal. I still had you know trying to figure out what I could chew on or something, but you know, um, but I didn't have I didn't I didn't have that same drive because I was free. Now I was free the day I got saved, but I didn't know I was free. See, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know I didn't I didn't know my new identity. I just knew that I was that I was going to heaven when I died and that God was with me now. I didn't even know anything that that meant. I just knew something had changed and I was gonna be a better person. Now, if you're here today, I'm not trying to condemn you. Maybe you're watching and you're, and you're, you're you know, smoking a pack a day right now, you're, you're chain smoking while you're listening to me, going, hey, that's good, I'm glad to hear Pastor Amen. <clears throat> I'm not trying to condemn anybody here because uh, my point is we're all bound and it doesn't change instantly, but something, if it, it, it changes in your spirit and if you feed your spirit, it'll change your mind. And if you change that in him, the power of the Holy Spirit will be with you to shift that behavior. You know, of course, when I quit smoking, I was 135 pounds. And so you do find a way to, you know, I guess if, you're, if, you, if you like something and you, and you have that proclivity, so I kind of exchanged it for, for ice cream. You know. <laughs> it's a little more culturally acceptable. But anyway, so... <clears throat> anyway, with every privilege comes great responsibility. And so we've got, to, we've got to have a revelation that becomes our perspective concerning everything. And that's what I want to focus on today. Everyone has their own life lens. A lens, They're, you know the glasses through which you see everything. If you were abused as a child, that becomes a lens, It becomes a way that you look at the world, the way you look at people, the way you look at authority sometimes, your perspective. Everyone has a lens, their own way of looking at the world, their vision. And it's a jaded vision. And so you, you, you have this. We all have a, a way we look at the world through our own lenses, our own lenses, our own lenses of experience, our own lenses of addiction, our own lenses. And so we, 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 when we have these lenses on, we, can, we project things on other people that really aren't there, but we kind of see them there because it's our lens. Are you following me? So we kind, of, we kind of expect different things and we look at the world differently. Uh, for, to give you an example, hurt and wounded people see everything through the prism of their own pain. That becomes their whole perspective. And I know this looks silly, but I want you to remember that because here's the, the reality is that you, we all have that, that we're looking through life and looking at God, looking at other people through this prism, this this this, this, these glasses and these lenses, brokenness becomes their window to the world. And I would say even brokenness becomes their window to the world. It gives you a muddied up lens. You begin to think that everyone else around you is as broken as you are or just faking it. They're all pretending we're all we're all, you know unconditionally broken and, and, and irreparably broken. And I'm just telling you, though we begin broken, you don't have to stay broken forever because God is a healer and he fills those cracks, he fills those voids, he, he, he fills it with his love. That's why the Bible says his perfect love casts out fear. If you're a fearful person, and you have all this suspicion, and, and, and you, you know, you're jaded in the way you're looking at everything, I want you to know that his love, when you really understand the fullness of his love for you, and, and listen, I'm, I've been saved for now 40, what, 43 years, and I still am learning more about his love and how much he loves me, how much he cares for me, how much he's going to take care of me, no matter how long, it's not just when you first get saved. It's it's a it's a lifestyle. And there's there are way there's waves after waves of his love, and it sometimes comes through when you're in a mess. And you don't feel lovable. And his love never fails, it never gives up, Pastor Lindsay sings. Never runs out on me. I love that those of those of us who have been abandoned in some way in our lives, that Jesus reaffirms what the Old Testament says about God, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We have a a God that loves us so much. He's never going to abandon us, especially if other people do. He's never going to fail you he might not do everything you want him to do when you want him to do it. You're not God, he's God. But he's gonna be right up there tucked alongside of you. You know, when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, Jesus introduced the concept of the Holy Spirit in the book of John. He said, hey, the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. And he calls him the paracletus, which is a, it sounds like parakeet, but it's not. It's par, the paracletus, it's a word, it's a Greek word that means that he comes alongside of you and literally tucks himself right next to you. You're never alone. You're never alone when you give your life to Jesus. That's the difference. God wants to heal your lenses today. Sometimes when we get a muddy up, we begin to think everyone else around us is, as, is going through the same thing. Or, or, or like I said, they're, they're just pretending. And and they and also in this whole world of class warfare right now, there's this whole thing where you know, if you don't have something, blame somebody who has it. If you don't have it, blame them. Because they got it. They must have cheated, lied, and stolen it. And it's a wrong concept. It's a it's a it's a spirit of deception. It's a lie from the pit of hell. We need to be people who are about what God wants to do, what God wants to say, and believe what he says about us. Healthy people. The word of God is supposed to be our lens to the world, our worldview. The Bible calls itself our mirror. It's a lens. What is a mirror? A mirror is the place where you go to see what you look like, to see what you look like, to to see yourself in a different perspective. You even go try and close sometime, and you got those three way mirrors behind you. And you got a mirror, and you got these other mirrors, and you can see even behind you. You can look back. There's this this mirror image. That's what the Bible is. When we see in the mirror, we are reminded of who we authentically and consistently are. But James chapter 1 says don't just be hearers of the Bible. Because if you're a hearer of the, of the preaching of the word today or a reader of a devotional or whatever else, and you walk away and you don't apply it to your life in some way, if you don't do something with what I'm telling you today, if you just leave here and go, that was a nice word. You forget who you were when you saw the mirror. James chapter 1. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer... He is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. A mirror is the self lens. It's the way you see yourself, your perception. Your We call it self-image. Self-image. Every time you dwell on the promises of God's love letter to you, the Bible, and see yourself as God sees you, beyond mental or emotional feelings. See, that's the problem. We look at ourselves... Through the lenses of how we feel, and you got to get past that. And I want to—I want to add this here: as you get older, you have to really press past that, because they are are trying to come a few little aches and pains as you as you get older. And I'm not telling you they're not going to be there. I'm just telling you that through Christ, your natural man is still not submitted to that pain. And so you walk by faith and not by sight. Or as in the case of right here in Ocala, some of you drive by faith and not by sight. But anyway, (laughs) if you don't do something with what you see, when you see it, to activate it, the Bible says you forget it. Born again isn't just a Christian catchphrase. That's why I read you that whole passage in the beginning in John chapter three. You can look at it from different translations and see different perspectives on it. But born again isn't a Christian catchphrase or some kind of religious routine. It's how Jesus himself describes our conversion encounter with him. We are changed legally and dynamically in our spirit man that was dead or asleep, and the moment you're you're acknowledging God, inviting Jesus to be Lord of your life, repenting of your sin, in that moment, a supernatural something happens and your spirit is born again. It is recreated. And it is supernatural. And the power to change and grow is there now. Before you're just trying to do trying to be a better person, trying to do whatever. Now, the power that you need. You say, Pastor, you don't know how many times I've blown it and messed up. I do, I do understand. Because we are still human in that sense but we're no longer submitted. We now have the power to say yes or no. We now have the power to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. We have the power to cast down imaginations and those thoughts that are trying to make themselves bigger than God in your life. We have power over that. You have power. You're anointed with power from on high. You have Jesus in you. You have the Holy Spirit with you, through you, in you, right next to you, and you're not sub- You're not the same as you were before. You're not just warmed up a little bit better. No, we're not trying to just get you to come here and do your little social. I, oh, it, church is fun. I Listen, I hope church is fun. I hope it's not boring. But ultimately, it's not just about that. You can be around here. Listen, they used to say, you know, you can hang around KFC all your life and you don't turn into a chicken. Doesn't mean you're a chicken. You, you can come to church and just be one of those people that comes and goes to church and you can get the church lingo and the church language and the, and the church culture and the church flow. But that's not the point. It's about being changed. Different. New thoughts. New power at work. New abilities. New trust in God. New, new, new way out of no way. Keep going back to that. We're changed from the inside out. We become a brand new species of life on earth, new creatures in Christ. The old stagnant way of living has ceased to exist. And now, because of Jesus and in his anointed power, we start a journey of transformation, metamorphosis. And we're becoming different, not just better, but anointed empowered from on high. without The Bible talks about without vision, people perish. Without proper vision, people stumble all over themselves. They perish by casting off restraint, doing whatever feels right for the moment. I read something recently, it really blessed me. It said King David was a visionary. Don't you remember that? And it defined the word vision as this. Vision, I love this definition. A combination of a deep dissatisfaction with what is and a clear grasp, grasp of what could be. Let me say that again because I messed it up. Vision is defined as a combination of a deep dissatisfaction with what is and a clear grasp of what could be. Amen. That's the new creation, that you have new lenses, new vision, that your old lenses have no power, yes. and you put on the vision of Christ. Put on the vision of Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Finally, this. What's your attitude towards your birthright? What's your attitude about it? Esau despises birthright. He didn't care that he's the firstborn, he didn't care about all his privileges. In fact, the proof was in the fruit because one day when he was really hungry, he'd been out hunting all day and didn't get anything and he came in and his brother said, hey, I got a great dinner prepared for you. Smell this. Mm, All I want is your birthright, your blessing. He said, ah, what good's a birthright gonna do for me now? I'm starving. Give me the food. Later on, he came back and tried and tried and tried because he realized He left it. You have a birthright, but you have to desire it. You have to esteem it. You have to honor God for it. And you have to grab it for yourself. Nobody else is going to help you with your birthright. Nobody else is going to help you see who God made you to be. You have to decide it and you have to look at the word of God. If you don't want it, This sounds harsh, but I'm going to say this to you. If you don't want it, God will find somebody else. If you don't want it, God will find somebody else. Sounds mean, but look at the Scripture, even in the New Testament. You have the power to choose, yes or no? You have the power to walk away. You have the power to embrace. read you one more thing. By the way... uh, Pastor Chris, if you want to go ahead and be released and you and Pastor Tristan, and get ready. If you're being baptized in water today, this is part of what I'm talking about in John chapter 3. Born of the Spirit and water. You're free to go right now and get uh, changed into your uh, baptism t-shirts. It's going to be a great day. We hope some of you are going to stay after church today and see these precious 10, 11 people get baptized in water. This is a miracle day for them. They're actually saying that the, the old things are passed away. When they come up out of that water, they're saying, I'm testifying. I've been made new in Christ. I'm not just a better version. I've been changed. I've been changed, okay? So just give me, give me a couple more minutes while they're getting ready. just want to let them out. Author Mike Thompson said this. I read this quote months ago and wrote it down, saved it. One way, this is a quote, one way Jesus empowers us to overcome the world is by enabling us to overcome the perspective of the world system. A believer who is not aware of his position in Christ is still trapped in the world's viewpoint of defeat, sickness, lack, sin, and brokenness. This attitude locks people into small-mindedness and the normal grind of earthly living. This is why it's so important for our minds to be renewed daily by God's word. My friends, the conformity to the word, Romans 12 too, is a natural process that takes no effort. It's default mode. Any day you're not filling up with the word or trusting God in some, you're honoring, worshiping, praising, whatever, in your own home. Every day that you miss that, you're, you're defaulting to just being the same old person. You're feeding who you used to be instead of who you is okay? I say it to be funny, but it's the truth. It, you, know, it, it, you are who God's called you to be. That's who you're supposed to be. Trust God in that. But every day that you don't fill up in some way with something from God, a nugget from God, a thought from heaven, a, a God-honoring worship, an expression, God, thank you. When you do get a breakthrough, thank you. Instead of just like, oh, look what I did. Every day, you're not filling up. You're going into default mode. And default mode mode is just back to the same old thing, back to the same old grind. And you can choose it. But transformation into the image of Christ is a supernatural act that takes place by faith. Takes place by faith. I'm almost done. Third John 2 says this. Many of you know this promise by heart. Beloved, John writes, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Isn't that a great promise? But nobody ever reads the next verse. Be careful of that. The next verse explains it. He said, for, that's a conjunction. He connects the previous law. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? I'm connecting two thoughts. For I rejoiced greatly when brothers came and testified of the truth that's in you, just as you walk in the truth. My friends, you can prosper and be in health even your soul prospers according to the measure you're walking in truth of the word and not deception of the world. There's all kinds of stuff flying around out there. All kinds of lies. All kinds of stuff. Trust God. Trust God. Walk in his truth. When you're walking in this thing, when you're walking in the truth of what God says, instead of everyone else's opinion, your soul will prosper, your soul will be stronger, and it will overflow into your physical health and into your well-being of abundance instead of lack. Why? Because as I said earlier, you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir. You're in God's will. You have his power of attorney in Jesus' name. You have everything you need. You have all the rights, all the privileges, but you also have responsibilities because to whom much is given, much is required. There's a difference between a slave mentality and a son or daughter mentality. We come boldly before the throne of grace. For God's sake, remember who you are and live that way this week. I'm gonna challenge you as we go. That's our takeaway today. I want to challenge you that this week you're gonna have moments where you can revert back and just, you know, something happens, you know, ah, reckon and breakin' and broken and broken and blah. Just go back to the same old whining, the same old cussing and blowing it, whatever. You can do that. You can have a fit if you want to. It gets you, it all it does is take you back that you can stand still and see the salvation Lord and say, you know what? Okay, but I'm gonna trust God. Father, I'm gonna trust you. You said in your word that you're working everything together for my good. Even though it doesn't look like it, even if I don't see it, you're working. Even if I don't know know it, I I know in my knower, I know deep down, you are working. Remember who you are in him this week. Take the high road. Do noble and anointed things to help others this week. As you get under pressure, go do something for somebody else and see what God does for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for abundant life. We thank you, Lord, that you're working. Would you reveal yourself to and through anyone who's struggling today? Maybe there's someone watching online. Or maybe you're in the room and you've just never actually prayed that prayer and said, Jesus, come into my life. I don't need a religious experience, but I want to know you. I want to know if you're real. I was sharing the Lord with a, an unsaved friend this week who's lost and just said to him, because he's searching. I can tell he's searching, like lost people do sometimes. I've known this guy for years. And he's always searching, but he's always searching in the wrong place. Now, all of a sudden, he's searching on things like uh, creation and how the world began. And he's looking for God things. He's even looking in the Bible at some stuff, but he doesn't understand it. And I just said, you know, it's time to quit your search and just, the search is over. Here's, Here's where the search ends. Out loud, just say, God, show me that you're real. Show me that Jesus is real and I'll serve you. Show me in a way that I'll know and experience you, not just have some religious trip. Uh, Show me and I'll live for you. If you would do that, I promise you, God is able to start revealing you revealing to you himself in all these different ways. He's able to do it. Just cry out to him today. You don't have to come to this altar, but you do have to come to the altar of your own heart because your heart is a throne and sometimes you've been king, you've been queen on your own heart for too long. And you've that's that's why if your life is messed up, let me tell you something, God didn't mess it up. You messed it up. And repentance is somebody saying, God, God, I messed it up. Would you come help me? You take control. You take authority. And he'll do that. And you'll be born again. A new creation starting the metamorphosis. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Did you get something today? Amen. Give give God glory today. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.